You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you to the worship team, and thank you especially to Nate and Delaney. I've been thinking about uh, the Lord's Prayer a lot this week, and that's a beautiful reminder of all the truth that um, we need to know as we pray to the Lord. I don't usually do it, but since I'm talking about Nate and Delaney, we're going to say, be saying goodbye to them today. They're, Nate is uh, being transferred. He's going to be stationed in Arizona. We're going to miss them. We'll just pray that God will bring them back here sooner rather than later. We're grateful for their service. And if we have so many because of university, military, different different reasons that people kind of come and go. And so I usually don't say that because I then will get in trouble for not saying it sometime. But uh, we're just thankful for their service. And you guys represent everybody that the Lord uses in their time with us here at Grace. And we love you and we'll be missing you and praying for you and thinking about you and visiting you. In the uh, high desert, maybe. Just make sure to get two bedrooms, uh, at least. So um, I want to mention also, uh, we were to have baptism last Sunday, and of course we're unable to because of the weather. Uh, we, we've scheduled that, uh, rescheduled it for January 29th. That's two weeks from today. Um, if you had thought about being baptized and just didn't do it in time, If you'll let me know before Wednesday, it has to be before Wednesday, then we will include you in that uh, baptism service that we'll be having on the 29th. And as David mentioned earlier, probably don't need to mention this again because if you're a first-time visitor, you were here to hear that. Uh, But January 29th, we're going to have a discovery lunch after church where you can meet some of the staff and elders and just learn a little bit more about uh, life together here at Grace Community Church. And speaking of life together, at the beginning of his classic book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned his readers of preferring the dream of community to actually living in community. A lot of times we get, I I just want community instead of actually living in community. It oftentimes fails to live up to our expectations if we think about it too much. So listen to what Bonhoeffer says, quote, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. So let me say it again. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. The grammar was lost in the translation from German to English, I imagine. Most of us want community, right? I mean, I would say that all of us want community, even if it's just a very small community like family. But most of us want the kind of community that allows us to belong to something that's bigger than ourselves. Communities have rules and expectations, but if the school or the company or the team or the group of friends is worth it, then you can put up with the rules. Most of us are willing to give up some of our own thoughts and desires and 
and ideas, expectations, as long as the community itself is good enough. That's the kind of community we're seeking and would love to find. So what about the church? Well, what about it? I mean, I was raised in church. I believe in Jesus. And of course, I, I, I need and I want to go to church. In fact, I love my church. But the kind of community that you were just talking about, I'm not as certain about that. I'm looking for a community where people will know me. Know me, I can know them, I will be known. And, and, and I want the kind of, of, of community that understands my world, my needs. At, at this particular life stage that I'm in, I want people that will know when something is said or when something is done, I want people who know how I'll feel, who won't be insensitive to what is important to me and how I'm feeling about something that's being said or done. <clears throat> Church has its place, but I'm not sure it has that kind of place. Well, you might would guess that I'm going to make a case for a different sort of view of community life in church. And in fact, it's not so much... I, I who will be making the cases, it is scripture that will be making the case. The title of today's message is The Discipline of Living in Community. Even though it's January 15th, this is officially a New Year's sermon. Not just because we got snowed out last week, but I've been for some time been feeling impressed that I, I wanted to, to preach this particular text on this particular day when the students are back and everyone is in place. Uh, some of you have already made spiritual commitments for the year, like Bible reading. I, I bet a lot of you are reading through the Bible this year, and I can't tell you how much that discipline alone will make a difference over time in your life. I don't have any idea what I'm reading. That's okay. Just keep reading it. One day it will make sense. And the more you read it, the more it will make sense. Not necessarily the more quickly, but once it begins to make sense, it opens up. But you've got to be disciplined. Hang in there. You're, you're, you've made <clears throat> commitments about spiritual discipline of prayer and scripture memory and lots of others. I, I want to challenge you, you to commit to the discipline of living intentionally in biblical community. This year, whether it's at Grace Community Church or whatever church where God plants you, if you're still not certain that this is the place, find a place that believes the Word and preaches the Word and be committed to being all in. Our text today is Colossians 3, 11 to 17, but the larger context requires a longer reading. So we're going to start back in verse 1 of Colossians 3. Typically, the preferred method of preaching here is, <clears throat> is expository preaching. We're in a topical series that I'll talk a little bit after the text. But always, we have to be faithful to the text. And, al and almost always, that means we have to know more than is right around the text. I won't spend a lot of time setting the context, but you'll see it as we read. So it's going to be a long reading this morning, Colossians 1 uh, excuse me, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. It's our custom to stand as the word is being read, so I'll ask you if you would to please stand <laughs> for the reading of Scripture, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Colossians 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, or on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put on the new self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, here in the church, there is neither Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, put off, put on, just like you take a jacket off. Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, the Lord's Prayer. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, um, it's easy to do in the name of the Lord Jesus everything that we uh, participate in and, and, and seek to do on Sunday mornings. But Lord, all through the week, um, it feels like we're out there on our own, but we're not on our own. Not only is the Holy Spirit with us, this body of believers is with us. So Lord, we pray that you might cause your word to be burned on our hearts in understanding and also with a desire and the power of the Holy Spirit to obey what we, what we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. Well, if this is your first uh, Sunday at Grace, you should know that we're in a series on Sunday mornings. We, we're doing it all fall and we'll be doing it most of the spring as well. Uh, that encourages gospel outreach. Our purpose statement or mission statement, if you prefer it, Grace Community Churches, exalt the Lord, establish believers, engage 
the world with the gospel. So here's a question. Should we, should there be a, 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 a priority in these three foci or should we focus on all of them simultaneously? The answer is yes. If, again, if you stay here for a while, you'll get used to that answer. It's, it's all over Scripture. We as a body of believers should be focused on all of these privileges at the same time of exalting, establishing, engaging. But if we are not worshiping God, what are we doing? You can find communities anywhere and everywhere, but our, our primary thing is to get together and worship God. But if we're worship God, worshiping God and not establishing believers then we're missing what we're supposed to be doing. And if we're so focused on Bible study and teaching that we're not worshiping, why are we doing that? And, and, and if we're not focusing on taking care of one another, why do we want to go out and invite people into a mess? And yet we are called to evangelize. And our focus this year is on engaging the world. It's not up to us to win people, but it is up to us to share the gospel. And you get to do that in all kinds of ways. And one of the things we'll talk about this spring is, I used to think when you share the gospel, you've got to do the Roman road or the four spiritual laws or whatever. You've got to do it all at one sitting or you really haven't shared the gospel. Look, just you, you may just get a piece of the gospel in. The acknowledgement that we're all sinners and we all need something that's beyond us. That, that The Lord will put all of that together. Don't feel the burden of converting people. You'll never do that. But we do have the privilege to share the, the mission of Christ or the, 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 the word and the, the ministry of the gospel uh, going forth out of here. So, this series is focused on engaging the world with the gospel. Why witness? How to witness? We'll, we'll get back to that beginning next week. Today, though, our focus is on the discipline of living together in community. So let's jump into our text. First of all, thinking about this community that is like no other. It's interesting that Paul, who wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, had never been to Colossae. As far as we know, he had never been there. He, <clears throat> he knew that Epaphras had taken the gospel to them. Epaphras, who had heard Paul share the gospel somewhere, then took it home to Colossae, and, and the people believed. And so he'd never been there, but he knew about human nature, and he knew about God's design for the church. And so he said, look, I've got some things to share with you. And he talked, he told them that whatever your differences are, you need to understand that God is building a diverse community here. In fact, a community like no other. Look at, again at verse 11. Here, there is no, not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, <coughs> but Christ is all and in all. So in, in the church there at Colossae, it, just as it is so many places, there were people who had grown up very religious and people who didn't give any thought at all to religion. It was just like, oh, okay, but Christ had saved them and now all of a sudden they're in the church. There were sophisticated socialites and there were much more salt of the earth kind of people. 
There were slaves and free. Now, now understand, the New Testament in no way condones slavery. In fact, it condemns the practice of human trafficking. But Paul acknowledged this is the way it is. And if you're a slave, this is how Christ is to affect you, how you're to live for Christ. If, you're a, if you own slaves, if you're a master, this is how you... And of course, we typically apply that today with employers, employees, that kind of thing. There were barbarians and Scythians. Now, when you hear the word barbarian, what do you think of? I mean, that sort of brings up a picture in your mind, right? Wild, uncouth, rude, ill-mannered. What about Scythians? You ever heard of Scythians? Just imagine this. Imagine you're at a party of barbarians. And it's a party. And somebody walks in and says, Hey, did you guys hear about the Scythian? The room goes quiet and somebody says, Scythians? Those people are crazy. There's no telling what they did. Barbarians thought that about Scythians. These were wild people, and yet this was the makeup of the church redeemed barbarians and redeemed Scythians. But this is who God had brought together. How in the world did it work? Only one way. Jesus was at the center. It's not that Paul was saying, look, just accept people in their sinful behavior. But he did say this. He, he was saying this essentially. We're going to be different people because of our backgrounds, because of education, all kinds of reasons. We're going to be different. But we have to make Jesus so much the focus of our attention that we love each other. And they don't sin like they used to sin. And by the way, the sins of these people went from the, for those who, who, who had almost no social and moral restrictions on themselves, to the, to the ridiculously self-righteous, turn your nose up. All of those people had been brought together. And they're called to love each other at that level. In fact, our union with Christ that he talked about in the first part of Colossians 3, Changes who we were into more like Jesus. We are meant to be an extremely diverse people designed to become one in order to radiate and reflect Jesus. Now if you look around this room, you're going to say, you know, we're not too diverse. I can't imagine that there are very many people in our church that are happy with that. I wish we were more diverse. I wish we were more racially uh, and socioeconomically diverse than we are. Why are we not? Look, part of its location, if you were to pick this church up and plant it in a city just as it is, we would be much more diverse. I'm, I'm confident of that. There are a lot of people who don't like elder rule or they're unfamiliar with elder rule. They're just not comfortable with it. So that's one of the reasons say, we're, we're possibly not more uh, diverse Music and preaching styles or other reasons. People choose churches for all kinds of different reasons. But we're more diverse than you might think at first blush. I mean, for starters, we are significantly diverse in age. And generational differences in these days are just as great as racial and, and ethnic and socioeconomic differences. 
And the young can't understand the old. And everyone knows that the old can't understand the young. They've never been able to understand the young. And you will be old too one day. What, what, about, what about political differences? I mean, almost everything in our day is political. Did you hear David, the conflict in David's voice almost when he's saying we're going to inaugurate a new president this week? And just look at everything that's been going on, the back and forth. You're nothing. You're illegitimate. You're... And everything is political today. It's not politics, it's tribalism. Take a position or get with your group. Whatever the group says, that's what you believe. And then you think about it. Then you come up with an explanation. But you can absolutely be certain that the explanation is designed to agree with the politics. Look, you won't have to go more than one row, I bet. Not one row to find somebody who voted differently than you in this election. We have different ideas about politics. Okay, well, I don't agree with everything over here, but I sure don't agree with things over here. And in my right, your left, and your left is my right. And so don't, don't even try to figure out what I was saying there. If we were forming a political club, we would likely either drive people out who don't conform to our particular political views, or we'd walk away. One or the other. We'd shame people so badly that they'd leave, or we'd walk away and find another community that is more in line with our own thinking. But we don't have that luxury in the church. Well, of course people choose to move to other churches. Or they do their best to make the church conform to their particular views, but in our text we're told to fully participate in the community, participate in the community, the diverse community that God has called us together to be. And that's the focus of our second point. Peace rules death before life. Every community has rules whether they're clearly articulated or not. And members are expected to conform to the rules. In fact, the structure is often what is so appealing to people. They say, you know, I just love the fact that, that this is bigger than me and that there are rules and there's security in knowing what is acceptable and what is not. And church, in the New Testament sense of the word, this community has rules. There are behavioral standards that have to be followed. Does that mean we're a community of perfect people? Pretty? No, 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 not at all. No! Of course not. We will all sin until the day we die. And it's just, you know, repentance and faith and forgiveness, how it all works together, I just don't know. But even as we came to this table today, I think about how sinful I am, how wicked I am, how I just can't seem to overcome the stuff you'd think by now. And yet to know the forgiveness that is in Christ fills my heart with the joy that ought not to be. In a person as wicked as I am. And that's the way we're called to live with one another in that same way. Now, if someone 
sins openly and there's no repentance, as I talked about earlier, as if it's fully acceptable. I can live, I can be in an affair, I can openly do this, I can, I can, I can be mean and hateful. And hey, I'm worrying about my relationship with Jesus. Don't you worry about the church can't, you just can't allow that. But those are extreme circumstances, and we rarely practice church discipline at grace. Rarely. But it's a very important aspect of our community life. And if it's necessary, we have <coughs> to do it. <coughs> Most of the kinds of everyday offenses, though, that we commit against one another need to be handled in another way. Rather than exposing and attacking others, we need to die to ourselves for the good of the community. Colossians 3.12 Put on then. You know you can't, you can't put off and not replace. You, it's got to be, you, when you put off, you need to put on. I wish I could overcome lust. Put this on. Put it off right now, but then put this on. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Now I'm going to guess you've encountered these verses before and you've thought about them in your devotional life about God's peace ruling in your heart and being gentle and meek and all things that American individuals should do to be a good Christian. But according to this text, you cannot be a good Christian by yourself. We're called to live in community. And if peace is going to rule in our community, we must follow the peace rules. Such as getting over ourselves, forgiving those who rub us the wrong way. And if we do, it will be because we committed to the needs of our brothers and sisters as more important than our own. That's how the community is designed to be. And this is how community life works. And it's the only way it really works according to this text. You're bad! Well, yeah, you're right. I am bad. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I'm bad too. I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have allowed. That's the way it works. We have to be doing that. Look, all this stuff, just look at all the political stuff that's going on this week. Just think about the last few days. John Lewis Donald Trump, the way they're going to each. You know what our response to that is? If you're on one side or the other, with regard to life in the church, you know what it is? Shout them down, right? Give better arguments. No. Get people to... No. This is our response. Die to yourself. Just like... Jesus died for me. 
Heard Sean Cross once say that perhaps we're never more like Jesus than we forgive when we forgive our enemies. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Now you're just thinking, yeah, that's right. They, the other side doesn't know. Just that's not the way it's meant. If we're called to forgive others as Jesus forgave us, then we're going to have to do what? We're going to have to die. When you forgive someone, you give up something that will never be gotten back. Actually, when someone sins against you, it can never be undone. And, 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 and the temptation is to say, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Anytime someone sins against you, that sin cries out for justice. But when I demand justice for what you did to me, then I remove myself from God's justice being carried out on Jesus instead of me. Because now I have become the determiner, the arbiter of good and evil. And what you did to me was evil. And, and there needs to be some acknowledgement of it, if not. And that's one of the things. Occasionally, Scripture says, work it out. A lot of times, it just says, just forgive. Just bear with one another. Overlook it. You know what I'm guilty of? I overlook a lot of stuff, and then one day, I've had enough, and I, re I recall all of the times that I have overlooked your sin against me. Allison just loves it when I do that. <laughs> You, you, can't, you can't do that and live in community the way you're called to. But we're going to mess up. So consequently, we're called to just live that cross-centered life, walking in humility in the community with gratitude and love in our hearts for all that God has done for us as a part of this body. Christianity is not a contract. It's a covenant. It's a commitment. And it's a one-way commitment, in fact. Jesus committed everything. That's what it is. That's what we, what we acknowledge today. When Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant, you know what a covenant is? It's an agreement between two parties. And both sides have responsibilities. And when Jesus went to the cross, he was saying, I waive your responsibility. I'm going to take the punishment for you. And that's the way we are called to treat one another. What a great week to practice this. This inauguration week. The world does not inform the way we are to treat one another. Scripture does. When Christ is exalted in my heart, there is a far greater likelihood that he will be exalted in this community of believers. And ultimately, he will be exalted in the larger community in which God has placed our church. His call on our lives is the focus of our last point. And I'm not going to flesh this out. Just You see it in the text. Jesus, rooted in our minds, present in our hearts, central in our praise. Christians are, by definition, those who believe in Jesus. 
But the sin of unbelief is a temptation to all of us. Well, I've never doubted. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. I have. Is all this true? Is all of it real? You know what one of the advantages of being at the community is? That the faith of others rubs off on us. And that we're reminded in what we believe. Jesus died for us. And for those of you who are looking very troubled, I don't have serious doubts, but occasionally you can't help but think, is it real? Are we going to walk on streets of gold? Yeah! You know how I know? Because you say it week after week and we lift our voices. We teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the Word of God is proclaimed. And there's something about the Word being proclaimed in this setting that is different from any other setting. But it's also true that I can't anymore learn about Scripture in isolation than you can. We are called to learn together. One of the ways that we do that is in our home groups. Where people, look, our home group teaches me all the time. We're talking about the sermon and I think, oh man, I wish I'd have said that. Can you say that again, you know? I'm learning all the time. That's how we learn in community. Two things about the first part of verse 16. First, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The first thing you need to know is you is plural there. Again, we take it in America most of the time. We're the, possibly the most individualistic society in the, in the history of the world. So we think of you as let God's word dwell in you richly. But he's saying you plural. Paul is saying now y'all let the word of God dwell in you richly. You hear? All right. Okay, everybody got that? Y'all make sure the word is rich. In the community. Second. When Paul says. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Literally this could be stated. Let the word about Christ. What does that mean? Well, surely we can say scripture. Let scripture dwell in you richly. But I think more specifically, and I, never, I didn't find anybody in a commentary, but I don't think it would be, this would be disputed. The word about Christ is the gospel. That's what Jesus did for us. He, that's, all of Scripture is pointing to Jesus. It's telling the gospel story. It became clear after Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Spirit came upon believers at Pentecost. So, a New Testament church is a biblical community. It is a covenant community with all of us loving, not worrying about whether we're loved or not. We're just loving. And then you'll be loved. And then the New Testament church is a gospel community. And when peace reigns in our community in accordance with the gospel, we're going to break out in song as we do every Sunday morning and some of you do in, in, in home groups. And in the, in the songs we teach and encourage one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing together will help us to be men and women with grateful hearts. And there are places in Scripture you can look and you can see that a whole lot of our problems begin when we have ungrateful hearts. Ungrateful hearts. So, 
life together causes us to become more like Jesus. So the question, is Jesus exalted in your heart, in your mind, in your life? I, I would, for a lot of you, I'd just look at you and say, yes, absolutely, he is. That's a good thing. Are you actively participating in a gospel community in which Jesus exalted? That's a far better thing. And look, regardless again, if it's grace or if it's somewhere else, you need to be actively participating in community life. Don't just come on Sunday morning and say, oh, that's so great. Now I'm just going to go home. And I can't wait to get back next Sunday. Actively participate. That's what you're called to do. All of the things that are good individually are much better corporately. Yeah, but people... Yeah, I understand. If it weren't for people, it'd be a great church, right? (laughs) I get that. And you know what? You know who we're called to be? Jews and Greeks and... And, and slave and free and barbarians and Scythians, religious, non-religious, we can learn from one another. We can grow more like Jesus in celebrating our unity in spite of our differences. Let's don't say celebrate our differences because we are to be conformed more and more like Christ. But we are different and God knows that and He loves that and He called us to come together. So in 2017, as you're thinking about living intentionally, make sure to incorporate the discipline, the spiritual discipline of living in community. Do you remember Bonhoeffer's quote? From the beginning, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. In other words, this is what this looks like so often. Well, I, I, th- I thought that church was all right, but I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just going to go. You have a dream about what church should be like. If Jesus is not exalted, that's not what church should be like. But, but beyond that, get over your idea. You remember... Those of you who were attracted to your spouse the first time you ever laid eyes on him or her and how it just went on and on and on and then one day it wasn't going on and on. And it's like, okay, now what? Love, forgiveness, and it's so much better than the, in the end than that Not superficial, it's very real. Endorphins are a great thing (laughs) when they're fully going, you know? Engaged. But when you get that deeper, richer, I love you in spite of all that we've gone through that's been hurtful to us, to one another, and I know that you love me, there's nothing quite like that. The person who loves their dream of marriage will be married three or four times probably. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. That's our calling. That's our privilege. Let's pray.
Lord, really, I said a lot about this passage of Scripture, but could have read through the text two or three times and then sat down and we would have gotten so much. I pray that you would burn this word on our hearts. We love you. We don't know why you love us. And in our difficulty of loving those who are different than us, Lord, just remind us of of your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace that has been poured out on us. And may we be excited about living in community and then when we are devastated by that community as inevitably we will be at some point because of our enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us, Satan. Even then, may we be reminded of the centrality of Christ and the head of our church. And may we long to please Him. And we do so by allowing the love of Christ to shine through us to others. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This morning we received communion with our Savior and we received the word of communion with one another. Now as the church gathered becomes the church scattered, receive this word from the letter to the Romans. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people says, Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.